devotion. We're in Revelation chapter 18. There's only 22 chapters in Revelation, so uh, after today we'll just have four, three, four chapters left. So uh, we are uh, uh, by the first of the year next next month or next yeah I guess next month next week we will uh, finish the book. Uh, with that said, uh, what we have in chapter 18 is the destruction of Babylon. So it's set up in chapter 17 with the uh, harlot riding on the beast. Remember the frogs, um, the three frogs and all that sort of stuff. So so now you, what you have is God's judgment is realized, finalized on the city. Now, when it comes to uh, the, the chapter itself, it's pretty straightforward. You can read various views of Revelation, um, whether it be preterism or premillennialism, dispensationalism, amillennialism, whatever it might be. What you'll find is, for the most part, chapter 18 is is you just go through it uh, because uh, you bring with it your presupposition. So is um, John uh, describing the uh, destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70? Uh, is he describing the destruction of Rome in general? Uh, is he looking forward uh, in the future to, to a new Babylon? Um, and, and whatever your conclusion is to that will be seen here. Uh, and in, in your interpretation here. Now, my view is it's it's a little bit of all of the above. Um, I'm not yet convinced that Revelation was written before AD 70, um, so I, I don't quite hold to Jerusalem interpretation, but I think there's some internal reasons to hold to that. Uh, but at the same time, I, I do believe much of the references are made to Rome, but it's not exclusive to Rome, but rather Rome um, um, illustrates uh, all similar empires. So what we have here is the destruction of Babylon, however you may interpret Babylon. Uh, verse 2, the mighty angel cries out, and what you'll find is several psalms throughout here. Here's the first one. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. Remember that in uh, ancient Hebrew, a little bit of Greek, but particularly ancient Hebrew, when a word is repeated uh, more than once, uh, it is for emphasis. Uh, so this is destruction to the utmost. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. She's become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. Now, obviously the emphasis here is Babylon is unclean. There's nothing holy there. So you have unclean spirits, unclean animals, um, and then you get the more generic everything unclean, and every detestable beast. Now, that word beast here means animal, right? But at the same time, the word beast, I don't know if it's the same word in Greek or not, has been used to describe the beast. And so, so it helps us to understand that, that beast, right? He's unclean, unholy, detestable. Um, and so, so you wonder if, if uh, what, what, what the use of, of this word is. Nevertheless, it goes on, verse 3, For all the nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. Notice the parallelism there. The kings of the earth, remember there are ten kings in chapter 17 uh, that, that rise up against um, um, the beast. And the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the, her, from the power of her luxurious living. Notice what you have here. You have a, a destruction of both the political uh, influence and power of Babylon and the economic power and influence of Babylon. Uh, so um, this does work with Jerusalem, right? Uh, where the political economic influence of Jerusalem goes away. 
you can do the same thing with Rome. Although the problem with the Roman interpretation is that Rome didn't fall in a day. Rather, fall, uh, Rome simply decayed over centuries, um, and then eventually uh, Romulus was the last emperor in the fourth century uh, or fifth century, and uh, and then the barbarians took over. But but the city of Rome didn't fall, for the most part. It did, but but it didn't. Um, but you you will see that ancient Babylon did. And so ancient Babylon throughout much of this chapter becomes the catalyst, becomes the, the standard bearer for what is being described here. Um, but the main point you need to see here is that because of their sin, here described as sexual immorality, but I think it's bigger than that, uh, but it is idolatry, it is, it is evil and wickedness, uh, both the political system and the economic system will fall. And people get in bed with Babylon for their own power, influence, and wealth. I mean, this is typical, isn't it? Uh, where there is power, there will be people who want that power. Where there is influence, there will be people who will want that influence. Where there is wealth, there will be people who want that wealth. They want a piece of that pie. And, and out of that comes corruption. Which is why one of the more brilliant things our founders did is they, they set up a system that said the solution isn't democracy or monarchy or anything like that. The problem isn't giving one person the power or the people the power. The problem is power. And when you remove power, then you can have a free society. What we're doing now is we're centralizing power once again. And guess what's happening? Uh, well, you have an entire city uh, that, that is quite corrupt. And, and people are flocking in because they want a piece of that pie. Um, and then another angel says here in verse 4, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. Now, verse 4, those, those three lines are taken right from the book of Isaiah. Um, so, and in the context there is Assyria and Babylon. Verse, verse 5, For her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Now, I, I could be um, reading too much into this, so, so um, th that, that is your, your warning. But the idea of something being heaped as high as heaven strikes me that of Babel. And remember, Babel is the biblical foundation of Babylon. So, so what you have is not bricks are now being heaped as high as heaven, but their sin is high as heaven. And so, remember in the story of Babel, God comes down to, to look at the tower because from his vantage point, it was too small. To mankind, it was massive, but to God, it was small. It was a way of mocking the, the, the Babelites. Here, it's their sin are so great that God sees it. And God responds in, in judgment. Um, now, what we need to see here is this call to come out of Babylon, uh, however you may interpret Babylon. Certainly, uh, there is an application we can make today. Uh, what, what John isn't arguing here, the angel isn't saying, is um, isolationism. What he's saying is that do not be polluted by the system. Do not be polluted by the sin. And so this is the commandment Jeremiah, and he relies on Jeremiah a lot in this chapter. He, he, he takes this from Jeremiah, who, who tells the, the people of Israel, as they leave Babylon after the 70 years, don't take anything with them. Don't bring anything from the Babylonian captivity with you. Uh, and the same sort of thing is happening here. The idea is, is don't buy into that system. Don't, 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 don't compromise your integrity and your holiness and your faith in favor of uh, the beast. Skip on down to verse, verse 8. 
for this reason, her plagues will come in a single day, death and mourning and famine, and she will burn up with fire, for mighty is the Lord and who has judged her. I've not seen this in any commentary, so just assume I'm wrong. But the idea of her plagues coming in a single day. Now, I don't think we should take that literally. But it's striking that we were just given, a few chapters ago, at least chapter 16, um, seven plagues, the seven bowl judgments. And it is evident that the first four or five of those, I'd have to go back, uh, I believe it was verse 11 was the key in that chapter. It, it, it gives the impression that they're poured out almost immediately. Um, and you remember what was attacked there was the earth and the sea and, and the rivers and the sun and all that. And that seems to be mimicked here. You remember that it's my view, I could be wrong, that revelation isn't strict chronology. Rather, it is cyclical in its chronology in that uh, we see these pockets of, of the day of the Lord being described. So we saw that with the seals, I believe it was the sixth seal. We saw it with, with the bowls, really all of them. And we saw it with the talk of Armageddon. And we see it here with the destruction of, of Bab Babylon. And so I, I do wonder if all of these are describing the same event, but, at, but the way it's laid out in Revelation didn't seem to be uh, happening uh, at the same time. Well, that's why I think verse 8 could be referenced to the seven bowls, and that judgment is all going to come down all of a sudden. Now, if you go back to ancient Babylon, that's exactly what we saw. You remember that when Daniel reads the writing on the wall, mana, mana, tackle, parson, the, the message is, your kingdom, Belshazzar, will end today. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Cyrus essentially enters Babylon without um, anyone stopping him. Well, starting in verse 9, um, what we get, and this goes down to, I believe, verse 20, um, you get, uh, for the most part, the weeping and the wailing over the destruction of Babylon. And much as the, the bows targeted, you know, the entirety of the earth, so too everyone who benefited from her is targeted. So you get the kings of the earth, verse 9, it's the political system. They, it says there in verse 9, weep and wail over her. And they say, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment has come. Now remember, in Revelation, time isn't strict time. Uh, so that could apply to 42 months and, and three and a half years. It certainly applies to earlier with the uh, breaking of the seals, the silence in heaven for, for a half hour. Now you get within an hour, uh, destruction has come. The point isn't that 60-minute period, but rather it was immediate, um, and, and it happened so suddenly. Uh, verse, so we get the kings of the earth, so that's the political system. What follows is the economic system. Uh, verse 11, merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her, right? Very similar to, to, to uh, the kings. Um, verse 15, the merchants of these wares who gain wealth from her, they stand off and they weep and mourn aloud. Um, and again, verse 17, in a single hour, all this wealth has been laid waste. So same language as the kings, just with an economic emphasis. The rest of verse 17, all shipmasters and seafaring men, sailors and all who trade is on the sea. Um, what do they do? They, they cry out as they saw the smoke burning. Um, and they throw dust on their heads. They weep and they mourn. And what do they say there at the end of verse 19? In a single hour, she's been laid waste. So what we have between verses uh, 9 and 19 is weeping and mourning. Yet suddenly, in the middle of the song, the tone changes. So we get from um, um, 
you know, how sad it is uh, that Babylon is destroyed within an hour. But verse 20 is rejoicing, right? Uh, what Revelation says is, yeah, to the merchants, to, 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 the, to the seamen, to, to the kings, yeah, this is sad. But to those who are the victims of the system, victims of the empire, victims of injustice and oppression, it's a reason to rejoice. So we get verse 20, rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you against her. Notice here that judgment is good news. Now, if you were to present that to, to people in general, they would say, no, God can't be uh, vengeful. God can't be angry uh, because God is a God of love. And yet, the number one movie at the box office year in, year out, is a book called Avengers, right? We believe in judgment. Right now, the, the, the cultural chaos is, is between right and left, between coastal elites and rural communities, between uh, 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 blue and red, right? And what is it that we want? We are asking for judgment upon others, judgment upon the system, judgment upon our history, judgment upon uh, 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 political leaders, judgment upon the other half of the country. We all want judgment because we see judgment with justice, which is good news. Here, what you see is the same thing that the slaves in Egypt cried for, that the martyrs in, in, in uh, chapter 6 cried for, God's judgment to be realized. And those who have benefited from and, and participated in the oppression of, of the innocent, that their day comes before God. This is true justice. This is good news. We all want this. Therefore, you cannot have a God of love without a God of judgment. Because the God of judgment is a God of justice. God has given judgment for you against her. This is another reason why Christians must guard from finding their hope in the system, in politics. Verse 21. Mighty angel, to illustrate all this, takes up a great millstone, threw it into the sea. Now, this is uh, imagery borrowed from, from Jeremiah, again, although John, um, John uses an angel as opposed to, to, to Jeremiah. But anyways, and it says, So will Babylon the great be thrown down with violence and will be found no more. Now, what you're going to find, because I don't want to read all this, that phrase, no more, is, is used or two, four, six times, at least. Uh, so, um, the harpists and musicians will be heard no more. Uh, the, the, um, the craftsmen will be found no more. Um, the sound of the mill found no more. The light of the lamp will shine no more. Uh, the voice of the bridegroom and the bride, no more, right? So no more is, is the key, completely wiped out. As much as Sodom and Gomorrah is, you know, the legend is, is in the bottom of the Dead Sea, so too Babylon wiped out. No. And notice here at the end of verse 23, your merchants were the great ones of the earth, and all nations were deceived by your sorcery. And in her was found the blood of the prophets and the saints, and all who have been slain on earth. Now, this is the, the reasoning for destruction. I, I, and I, I may be wrong here, but I think there's two reasons. One is general wickedness, described here as deceived by your sorcery. So when I say wickedness, I'm not just saying bad deeds. What I'm saying is an umbrella term to describe um, what is demonic as, as individuals and as part of a system is demonic. And you can't read Revelation without seeing the demonic, right? In fact, chapter 18 began with that. 
uh, with, with the demonic. So you have the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. You get the unclean frogs, remember, uh, that, that, that weird scene. So, so what you have is idolatry, which is demonic, brings with it all kinds of wickedness. So I could be wrong here reading sorcery not as just as witchcraft, but as a more general wickedness, demonic wickedness and idolatry. And then, of course, is the targeting of uh, the saints. This has been a theme throughout the book of Revelation. And remember, the, the book is written to, to churches that are being persecuted. And they're being robbed of, of economic opportunities, political opportunities, cultural opportunities, all because they are believers. And so when they read, Babylon is fallen, what they would hear is, Rome will come down. Maybe not in my life, but in a lifetime to come. God will condemn those who oppress his people. And that is still true today. Come, Lord Jesus, quickly. Hope to see you guys soon.